and welcome to another episode of DS30 Podcast. I am Ana Huchevar. And I'm Michael Cullen. And today we will be talking with our colleague, Sierra King, who is the Admissions and Program Services Manager at the Data Incubator. So one of Sierra's roles at the Data Incubator um, is to guide participants in our eight-week data science fellowship uh, through the job search process, looking at things like resumes, through cover letters, um, and all the way up to and through those job interviews. And so we've got Sierra with us today to talk a little bit more about acing those behavioral interviews. Yeah, let's jump right in. Sierra King, thank you so much for being with us. Hi, excited to be here. So we usually start our podcast with having our guests introduce themselves. So um, I would ask you to maybe tell us a little bit about your career path and what your current position is. Okay. Um, so I am the admissions and program services manager for the data incubator fellowship team. I actually just joined the team in May. Previously, I, I've been working in admissions for the past seven years. I actually got my undergraduate degree in business data analytics. So it's really a funny uh, way of events that I've ended up working for a data focused company and really exciting to work with our students as they're transitioning into the field of data science. Okay, well, let's go ahead and jump right into it, Sierra. So, you know, we wanted to have you come in today and talk a little bit about um, interview skills, sort of for these, you know, behavioral interviews, sort of the soft skills, how people can prepare, what they should expect, and things like that. Um, so, mm -hmm. right off the bat, you know, what would you say for someone who, you know, was getting ready for a job interview, something, you know, one of these behavioral interviews? How should they start preparing for that? So my first advice is for them to do a what I like to call an interview reality check, is that most people don't like to interview. Um, they can be nerve wracking, but if you prepare in advance and you practice, it's very easy to um, it's easy to rock these sort of these interviews. So I, I asked them to focus on some key aspects. So one would be mindset, having a winning mindset eye contact when they're engaging in their interview, looking at people, letting them know that you're confident and present in the conversation, body language, a firm handshake, which may not apply in our current environment, um, but it is good to take into consideration when that does, when uh, we are reopening to in-person interviews. Storytelling, active listening, answering the questions that are asked directly, confidence and clear communication. And so mastering all of these different aspects of preparing for an interview can really help you to succeed. Great. So I think we want to talk about all of the basically topics that you just mentioned. We will focus on soft skills. Um, I know that a lot of people preparing for data science interviews focus a lot of time on their coding abilities and all of the technical things that they are asked at interviews. But there's also this big component of soft skills that one needs to have that that we're focusing on here with you. Um, so how can one prepare for an interview uh, when you know that you might be asked some of these soft skills questions? So one of the most important things to keep in mind is storytelling. How can you translate your story and your background to an interviewer that, that gives them a good understanding of who you are, what your goals are, and how you can be a, a beneficial member to their team? So it's really important that when you're answering these questions that you know your audience, you can make your audience care about what you're saying. You provide context, pay attention to the delivery, you are engaging and actively listening and reading the room. So 
taking into account who you're interviewing with and making sure that when you leave that you've left a lasting impression there. So one of the things that we like to cover is, like I mentioned, knowing your audience. So taking that time before an interview to prepare yourself by either researching the company, researching who you'll be interviewing with, and making sure that when you are doing this research that you are translating your message in a way that will be attention grabbing for them. And when you leave, that they will, it will leave a lasting impression. Great. Now, following up on storytelling a little bit, you mentioned a big part of this is being able to demonstrate to someone or convince them the value you might bring to the team. Mm -hmm. So yeah. what would you tell someone who, you know, perhaps is, you know, is interviewing and wants to speak to their experience, but perhaps doesn't have let's say, experience in a data scientist role? How can they try to translate maybe other experiences they had so that they can be relevant? That's a really good question. A lot of the individuals that I have worked with doing lectures throughout the program are, this is their first step into the field of data science. So they have a lot of previous experience, a lot mostly focused in academia, um, and they're having trouble translating that into a work experience. And what I like to let them know is that your education and training is your work experience. So showing how you can um, overcome issues, how you can have advanced in your educational career and applying that to the job itself. So one of the really important things are to do your research. So review the company, review the job posting and do your best to find key points in your experience and show how that can translate into the role itself. Great. So so when we get ready for an interview, uh, it helps to know what to expect, right? So what to get ready for. So can you tell us a little bit about uh, what a soft skills interview might look like? What can one expect? So typically there, the first step in the process is a phone interview. There are a couple different types of phone interviews. So one would be a basic phone screen. That's typically your initial communication with your, the uh, employer. So it'll be some standard questions about you, about your background, they'll go over the role, and it will typically be by a recruiter or an HR staff member. After that, you may be scheduled a second phone interview, which is a casual informational interview, not typically formal questions, but more so understanding your conversation and seeing how you would fit with the culture of the team or the role that they're wanting to hire for. And then the third is typically an in-depth skills interview, usually the second or third round of interview. And those will be more technical questions about the role and how you would function in that role and how you can translate your skills from your resume into that role. So in the, you know, looking at kind of those three steps that people tend to see, you know, and which one of these might we, you know, see those sorts of interview questions we all know and love, right? Like talk about your greatest weakness, these sorts of things, or maybe in general, are there certain types of questions, certain common questions people should prepare for? So typically the phone interviews are the first step in the process. And then after that, um, we would normally see in-person interviews right now, most of our interviews are being done virtually. So then that would come the video interview portion of the process. And those are typically when you're getting those more in-depth detailed questions. And I like to go over some of the common techniques that we see. So there are two typical, two typical uh, questions that are asked by interviewers. So one would be an essay approach, and one would be what we call the STAR method. And with the STAR method, it is more of a behavioral approach to question process. 
So you'll get all, asked a lot of questions about, tell me about a time when this happened and what was the outcome or a negative experience and what did you do to resolve the situation? So understanding those two different types of questions and interview process can help you to be better prepared. Sure, and so with that, with those star questions, like you said, these are maybe a little bit more situational, I think you mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, are those something that we're seeing more these days? Are there perhaps different ways to prepare for them? Or is it something that, we, that might catch someone off guard? What would you advise someone as far as being ready for those? I would definitely say the STAR technique is most common in interviews now. And just to break it down, so STAR would stand for situation, task, action, and result. So you will be asked about a specific situation and what the task you, you needed to do. So something specific to describe um, what you were asked to do in that situation, what actions you took and the result of that. So sometimes when you're asked these questions, it can you can feel like you're caught off guard and um, formulating a response to that. So you really wanna make sure that your response is genuine. It's definitely okay to pause for 30 seconds if you want to gather your thoughts before answering and make sure that the do your best to answer the situation, even if it hasn't necessarily applied to you. Think of a way that you can translate your answer into what was, would be most applicable. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, and you mentioned something that I think is really relevant there, which is that, you know, we should be comfortable if we need to take, you know, like you said, 30 seconds to, to pause before answering. Um, that's a good thing to do, you know, to be sort of thoughtful mm -hmm. and consider mm -hmm. our words. Um, and actually leads into another thing that I'm always is on my mind with these interviews, which is how long should we be talking for? I worry that I might ramble or then I might go speak too short or what would you say to that? You know, how long should someone be prepared to answer? So the, my key takeaway would be making sure that you're answering the question directly as it's asked. You are welcome to elaborate and add some background, but keeping your questions to 30 to 60 seconds and making sure because you're you want to make sure your interviewer is engaged in your conversation and that it feels like a natural flow so you don't want to spend too too much time adding too many background um, or additional context to the question and so i would say it's safe to say about 30 to 60 seconds and the same too if you're asked the question and you're not sure exactly how to respond to that you're more than welcome to take that 30 second pause and gather your thoughts Sure. Yeah. Great. This is really useful advice. Uh, the one that um, I always have problems with is whenever people ask you, what is your greatest strength or what is your uh, one weakness where you're not sure, like, sh which topic should I talk about? Should I actually reveal my weaknesses? Should I be uh, kind of how to answer those? And sometimes it's also hard to come up with what is really uh, the one weakness that I have or one strength in, in figuring out uh, what kind of a, I guess, a worker I would be. So are there any topics that are useful to think about in our work lives to help sort of one prepare for such a question? That, that's a good question. I think a lot of people more ask this question, we're wanting to think of the perfect response. So employers aren't impressed by use, using a strength as a weakness. So I typically, I would have the tendency in the past to say, um, I work too hard or I'm a perfectionist. I won't stop until I get things right. And employers are, those are very common responses. They wanna have a genuine response. So it's okay to admit a weakness. It's not, it wouldn't be the time to say that, you know, you're late to work all the time or you're bad at responding to emails on time. And that wouldn't be what you'd want to list. 
Um, but you could say one of my weaknesses used to be time management. So I've worked really hard to focus on making time on my calendar for each task of the day. So when you're displaying those weaknesses, you're letting them know you're aware of it and showing your growth and how um, you've grown and expanded on those, those weaknesses and can turn them into strengths. Great. And are there any uh, particular topics that we know we uh, shouldn't be asked about? Is, are there any limits on what um, an interviewer might ask us? Yes, so there are some illegal questions that you can't be asked. So one would be, the subject would be nationality. So an illegal way for an interviewer to ask this question would be, are you a US citizen? Where were you or your parents born? What is your first language? So those are questions that they shouldn't be asking. You're not required to answer those. And so if you feel that you're being discriminated against in any way or being asked questions that are made you feel uncomfortable, then I would definitely recommend once you've completed the interview, reporting that to the HR manager or whoever you've coordinated with for the interview. A legal way to ask that is, are you authorized to work in the United States? What languages do you read, speak, or write fluently? That is a totally okay way of asking that question. Another one that is illegal to ask is, what is your marital status? Who do you live with? Do you plan to have a family? When, how many kids do you have, et cetera. Uh, a legal way to ask that would be, would you be willing to relocate if necessary? Travel is important. Would you be willing to travel as needed? Do you have any restrictions? And then a third category would be about religion, your financial situation, drinking habits, drug use, how long you've been working, military discharge, these are all illegal questions. So if you're asked something that makes you feel uncomfortable, you're definitely not required to answer that. And I would encourage you to report those sorts of questions. I think that's definitely good to know for you know people going into these interviews. Um, and as well, you know, like you mentioned, to have sort of a strategy in place for uh, for dealing with those. So um, that's very very helpful. Um, Perhaps we could tie this in as it seems all conversations these days kind of tie in to, okay, well, how is this different? How is it the same now, you know, now that a lot of these jobs are remote, we're interviewing remotely for jobs that are starting off in a work from home situation, you know, how is this affecting perhaps the interview process um, or just any tips that you might, you know, give applicants who are preparing for interviews where they're likely going to be doing a lot of this remotely probably working remotely as well. Mm -hmm. I, I think I'm, from my experience, as I was navigating the job market in this current um, environment, most of my interviews, all of them were over the phone or over Zoom. And so that can be a little bit challenging in the sense that you're not engaging with people face-to-face. -face. It's a little bit harder to read body language and um, also answer questions and read the room. Because you're doing so virtually, you may not have if there's multiple interviewers, everyone on your screen. So preparing your environment in advance, so making sure you're in a quiet place where you can answer the questions, you're focused on the screen. I sometimes when I'm um, working can have the tendency to pull up another screen and maybe answer an email, um, things of those nature. So you're wanting to make sure that you are focused and engaged in the interview, paying attention to the screen. Um, if you're interviewing over Zoom with multiple people, it may be best to have it in gallery view where you can see everyone that you're interviewing with to help you gauge reactions to questions that you've answered. Um, so just making sure that you've prepared your environment and that you're still treating it as you would an in-person interview. You still would need to make sure that you are dressed appropriately, you are prepared, you have, um, it's also great that 
with it being over Zoom, you can prepare notes in advance, have those with you on your table if you need to reference something. Sure, definitely. Um, and, you know, like you say, eye contact and um, those sorts of body language things, they do translate kind of difficultly and kind of in a very interesting way, I've found, uh, do all of these remote calls. One thing that yeah. I've found recently is uh, if I do want to get more of an eye contact thing across, sometimes I will shrink the Zoom window very, very small so that all of the video screens, I guess, of everybody else are like right below my webcam. Then you're always mm -hmm. almost basically looking at the, at the camera. Mm -hmm. That is a good idea. That's something I think yeah. helpful. So let's say that we did an either in-person, but right now most likely a um, virtual uh, interview and that um, things hopefully went well. Are there any steps that one should keep in mind to take um, after the interview? What, what sort of uh, the tips you might have for us there? So I would always encourage in individuals that have completed an interview to send a thank you email within 24 hours of your interview. So this is your chance to close. Add links to any articles you've discussed, mentions parts of the interview you thought went particularly well. Be respectful and confident. If the interview didn't go well, you can use your thank you email to address any areas where you felt you may have fell short or didn't answer a question as best as you felt you could. Um, and I would definitely encourage, you don't wanna send a very generic thank you email. There are tons of examples online of thank you emails. I would really encourage individuals to go and research some of those, but then also form it, forming them into your own voice and your own response. So making sure you touch on points of the interview or points of the role that were discussed that you found particularly interesting, maybe adding a way that you think, a suggestion that you think would be beneficial, and then making sure that you send that to everyone that you've interviewed with within 24 hours. Right. So that would be my follow-up question. Should you include everyone that was on the call probably in nowadays or in, uh, involved in the interview? I typically, from my experience, I will send an individual thank you email to everyone I've interviewed with. Um, and then, so I wouldn't recommend sending a, an email and copying multiple people on those emails. Um, you definitely can copy and do the same email to different individuals, but I would recommend an individual response if you did a group interview or like in my experience, when I was interviewing for my role here with the Data Incubator, I interviewed, I believe, four different people. So um, taking the time after each interview to send an email to each person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, all of this is very fascinating. And for anyone who found all of these tips useful, we should say that during the uh, Data Incubator's eight-week fellowship, where we sort of groom and prepare people for the world of data science and for uh, finding them positions in the, as data scientists. Um, such sort of tips and everything that Sierra is sharing with us here today is discussed every week in a career search lecture. Um, so Sierra, as our admissions and program services manager for the fellowship, um, you might even have some tips for applying for the fellowship for anyone who might be interested in learning more about this, as well as all of the data science technical skills that we teach in the fellowship. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the tips for applying for anyone who's interested in the fellowship. So some tips with the application process, making sure that you include an updated resume. If there is a resume builder built into the website, so you have some flexibility there. If you want to update some information, you are able to do so. And making sure that you uh, include your most relevant skills. If you have any previous data science experience, that's really helpful to see on the resumes as well and any project experience, um, all of your training, even if you have a degree in progress, listing that really helps us when we're navigating the 
application and interview process. And then with the admissions challenge portion of the question, making sure that you're focusing on the quality of your responses, not just the quantity. So there, it, it is a challenging thing to complete within the time frame, and making sure that you do your best. We still review your responses and saving often throughout the process. We will review your most uh, recent save when we're uh, once we close the application. Great, yeah, all great tips. I would say for you know, putting your best foot forward going into the fellowship and, you know, really all kind of ties back into, um, you know, those same kinds of skills, like learning, knowing how to translate your experience, you know, from what you have done before to like what you hope to be doing next. Um, so that all makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Yes, thank you, Sierra, so much. Um, we're unfortunately going to run out of time, so I think we're going to have to stop there. But this was very informative with a lot of sort of tips and tricks. Uh, that you shared with us. So thank you so much for being with us and thank you for your time. Thank you for having me. Thanks again, Sierra.